This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the, na- of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's a joy to be able to dig into the Word of God with you. Every time I open the Word of God, it transforms me if I allow it to. My prayer for all of us this morning is that we will have a transforming word from God today. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you not only to church, but to Bible study, to our prayer meeting, because it is your sword. And uh, it's very important that you get to know this very well. And not only should you have it with you at our corporate meetings, but you should also have it with you on a regular basis in your own private time because God can speak to you through it. And then you're ready to go to wherever, wherever he's speaking to you about. There may be other things he wants to expound on, but he wants you to go there. Sometimes God will give me just one verse, and I'll go there, and he'll speak to me more once I get to that area. It's very important that you learn to love the Word of God. I want to invite the presence of the Lord to guide this message this morning, and that all of us will hear what his Spirit has to say. Would you join with me in that prayer? Holy Spirit, you are welcome to give us discernment so that we will understand what is on your heart this morning. I'm so glad for the privilege and the responsibility to speak to your precious people, but I also recognize, Holy Spirit, that these words must be from your heart. And so I submit myself to you today, and I ask for your guidance and direction in communicating your word. And I pray that all of our ears, myself included, that we will hear what your spirit is saying to your church and that we will live out our lives in a way that honors you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Last week, I shared with you about how God desires for us to be serious with him, and he wants us to not be lukewarm, but to be fully committed. Prior to that, we talked about how God wants us to be rooted and grounded in Him. And as we're rooted and grounded in the Lord, there are things that are going to happen in our lives, and we are going to be changed by His Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, 
how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That sounds good to me. And I need more of that in my life, and our church needs more of that. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about staying the course. Oh, it's great to start a race, but you don't get a medal for how you start. Can you imagine if medals were given out for how a person starts the race? You know, there actually is a lot of effort that is put into how you start a race. In fact, those who run track would know that you have to be in the right position, completely prepared for when the sound is ready or given for you to take off. And in fact, for those who run the, um, the 100 meter, normally you have these little, um, these little things that you put your feet on and you get in a ready position, you're right on the line, you can't start too early, otherwise you'll be disqualified. And you have to be in position, and at just the right time, you go. And there are people who are better starters than others. There are some people who don't get it on the first kick. And they'll get a little bit behind by the way they start. But you're not receiving your prize by how you start. How you start does affect things. But what matters most is how you finish. You could be the best starter and potentially be the worst finisher. And that gets you nothing. So you and I need to learn how to stay the course. Because just as it is when you're running a natural race, for any of you who have done running, there is a point in time where there is a particular pain that develops right along your sides. And that pain says to you, what are you doing? Why are you even running? But the truth is, is that everybody has to go through that. And how you handle that will determine with what happens next. Because for those of you who have run, you know that once you've run through that segment, all of a sudden your endorphins kick in. And you began running like you weren't running before. Once you've run through that pain in your side, then all of a sudden you have more energy and the pain is not holding you back and you're moving and grooving for the glory of God. But what happens is sometimes in our walk with God, that pain comes. And we're like, man. I thought walking with Jesus was fun. I thought that the birds would be singing, that my way would be just completely smooth, all potholes filled in, no troubles. And all of a sudden, you're bumping along this road of life. Things hit you left and right. And you feel like, man, I did not consider that this was going to be what it was like to walk with Jesus. And all of a sudden, spiritually, that pain kicks in. Now, here's what you and I need to learn to do. 
we need to keep going and to run through that pain. Because the more you learn to do that, then the next time you run, your body's continually um, gaining the ability to get stronger and more fit. So you won't have to deal with that as much as you continue. But what happens is, is for some who have not been allowed themselves to be trained spiritually, that's where we slow down in the race. And that's where we begin to allow the Word of God to be choked out by all kinds of things. Why? Because it gets tough. My friends, I wish I could say something else, but the truth is, and Jesus said this, that sometimes walking with God is difficult. And if we fool ourselves to think that it's always going to be easy, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Because then we start questioning ourselves. And that's why Jesus laid it all out right from the get-go. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Now, I prefer not to have to read that, but it's there. And I'm so glad that it's there because I need to know that right off the starting block. If you don't have one tra someone training you or if you're not familiar with what's going to be coming up and you start running a race and you've never trained at all, and say you're running a marathon and you've done no training, and all of a sudden you get to that point where you feel like you're dying, you might feel it's over. You might not even know that you can run through that pain and it will eventually go away. So you may actually give up before you even have the opportunity of continuing to run. And that's what happens for some believers. They think, this is too much for me. I won't be able to do this. Man, the pace I'm going now, I'm barely walking. But little do we realize is that through that process, God is maturing us. And the next race around, it'll be a little different. And the next race, even more. See, so as you stick with God, he is going to grow you. But there is a responsibility that you and I have. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. And this was something, and I think it's important for us to understand who Jesus was talking to here in John chapter 15. He was talking to his disciples. These are those who were walking with him. He had called unto himself. In fact, he had chosen them. A little bit farther down in the chapter, you're going to see in verse 16 that he specifically clearly uh, says to them, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. So Jesus was kind of laying it out there. He's saying, I want you to know that I initiated. I wanted you. This wasn't something where you wanted me and I'm like, all right, well, if uh, I guess so, come along. You know, no, nothing like that. Jesus was, I want you and I'm choosing you. And so let's begin from the very beginning of this chapter. And it says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So let's start with that first verse. So let's identify the grapevine is Jesus. And the gardener of the grapevine is our good, good father. All right? We're just kind of laying this out. Now, we have, we have something else in the mix here, and that is you and me. And the scriptures tell us in this portion of John chapter 15 that you and I are the branches. So we have Jesus who 
is the grapevine. We have our Father who is the gardener, and we have us who are the branches, and each one of us have responsibilities. Jesus, Father, and us. So verse 2 says, and it's interesting how Jesus leads into this. You know when you're having a conversation and you want to get to something that's really tough? And sometimes you kind of say a lot of nice stuff before you get into the nitty-gritty of it to try to smooth out the conversation. Well, look at how Jesus gets into this topic, and he, he goes right to it. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Ouch. It kind of just makes you wake up a little. Like, could you say that again? You see, Jesus was trying to get a point across that really was important for all of us because if we are his disciples, then this applies to us today. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. So you see here, uh, there are two types of branches that he's referring to. One is a branch that doesn't produce any fruit. And in another portion of Scripture, Jesus says that you will be able to tell a tree by its fruit. But in this case, there is no fruit, and this branch is useless. In my front yard, I have a tree, and there are some particular branches that uh, don't have any leaves at all. The branch is completely dead. And so last uh, summer, I got out there with my saw, and I was cutting off the branches that were dead because it didn't make the tree look nice. And in the summer, it's easier to be able to tell which ones are dead because there's no leaves on them. If I start cutting now, I could get in trouble. I might be cutting off some good branches. But in the summertime, when everything's full bloom, and I see a branch, and it has not one leaf on it, that branch is dead. Not only is it not bearing fruit, and it's not really a fruit tree in my yard, but it doesn't have any leaves. There's no life in the branch. And so I go to it, and I cut it off. The gardener's job is to take care of the tree, to take care of the grapevine. And the scripture tells us that the way God handles these branches is the way he's going to handle us. So you need to take note of what he does because God is no respecter of persons. What he says in his word, he will do whether we like it or not. And sometimes we like to cater the word of God to how we feel, but the truth is, is that you and I need to come in line with the word. The word doesn't have to come in line with us. And so as we read John chapter 15 here, we see that the branches that are bearing no fruit, our good, good father cuts them off. And then he sees branches that are bearing fruit, but he looks at them and he says, you know what? That branch has more potential. I could get some more food out of that branch. And so what does the gardener do? He doesn't just simply look at that branch and wish that it bears more fruit. He says, I've got to do something so that that branch will bear more fruit. And what does he do? 
He prunes it. And what is pruning? Pruning is a process that involves cutting. But thank the Lord, it doesn't involve the same level of cutting as the first branch. The first level of cutting is cut it all off. The second level of cutting is cut a little bit off so that that branch will actually bear more fruit. So the gardener looks all across this sanctuary and he sees branches sticking up all over the place. And he's seeing you through his eyes. And he sees your potential. He sees what God can do through you. And for some, some of us, sometimes we get so comfortable where we are and we allow things to grow in places that are sucking life where they shouldn't suck life. And the reason that the pruning is necessary is because once you cut that part off, it no longer steals the life from where that life needs to go. So how does that apply to you and me? Well, that affects us in many ways. Our sister here just prayed and said, thank you, God, for closing a door that ended up unexpectedly being an answer to prayer, if I heard you right. That's pruning. That's pruning. Because you might not have closed that door on your own. You might have wanted that to stay open. But your gardener said, I know what needs to be done. Just snip that right there, and then new life is going to flow into the areas where it really matters. See, what he's saying here, he really means. This is not just some theoretical jargon. This is what God's doing all across this congregation. And as you learn about how God works, you can work in sync with him. In fact, if you hear his voice, he'll allow you to control the snippers. The more you get in sync with him, he'll show you what needs to come off, and he'll let you cut it off before he has to do it himself. And why not do it that way? You know what I mean? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you know what, you're not having any time with me in your private prayer closet, so let's discuss this. How are we going to work this out? Now, on one hand, we could say, God, my life's so busy. Uh, I, I'm sorry I don't have time for you. And then we can jump into general prayers because we want to avoid the specific. And we'll say, God, bless my life. God, let everything go well for me. God says, all right, yes, I want to do all that but we got to deal with this. There's something sucking the life out of areas that are supposed to be bearing fruit, and it's not good for you. And then the Holy Spirit brings it to our attention, and we veer off of it, and we don't focus on it, and we don't set aside that time for the Lord or our resources for the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit knows that if we aren't going to snip that off, that we were going to end up eventually not bearing the proper amount of fruit. And because God loves us so much, he says, I'm going to have to do this. It's going to hurt a little bit, but it's going to be better for you in the long run. So he goes over to that area that is actually stealing the, the life from us, and he snips it off. And oftentimes, that is accompanied by a big ouch. And it, it comes in various forms. 
a closed door somewhere, a situation that you were just hoping would work out and it didn't. I remember this gentleman who I was ministering to and everything out of his mouth was about money. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Every opportunity, every this, every that, and, and God uses money. But in this situation, everything, even anything that had to do with the word of God, anything that had to do with life, anything that had to do with a job, family, it was all, everything ended up going back to money. So much so that there were compromises here and there to be able to follow that thrust. And in my heart, I prayed, God, give me wisdom on how to speak to this matter. Because what I can see with my spiritual eyes is this man, whether he realizes it or not, is walking after wherever money will lead him. And again, there's nothing wrong with money. It's not money that is the root of all evil, but the love of money. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so there's nothing wrong with money. Please understand what I'm saying today. But what I'm trying to say is when all you think about is how you can make more money, or when you're looking at every situation as a, a value level of money, there's something off. Because the scripture tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. And so I observed for a period of time, this gentleman, as he would speak to me, and he'd have these big dreams. And I remember one time he actually, without even communicating with his spouse, he signed up for this special event to be able to potentially make this big job and to get a lot of money. And, um, and he told me, he says, I'm going to go here. I'm going to set up this event. And my wife doesn't even know about it, so please don't tell her anything. And I said, I said, my friend, I said, you need to be the one to tell your wife. He said, this is not healthy. What you think you're going to kind of do some special surprise thing to gain this big business or whatever, and you're going to do all this under, without communicating, there's something that is askew here. And I told him, I, I said, you need to talk to her. Well, the whole thing that he had planned out, and he had all these big ideas, it all fell through. And in my spirit, I said, God, thank you. Because who but knows that maybe that could have spared his marriage. Sometimes when, when we as human beings get our mindset on something, we don't calculate the cost. We just value things in levels of natural. But God sees the big picture. God wants to prune us so that we will be able to be complete and mature. This verse in, in Ephesians that I read to you earlier, that you and I will be filled with the life and power of God is critical. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. It all depends on you staying connected properly to the life source of the river, and your roots are going to grow deep into him. Now we're talking about branches. It's all connected. Jesus said that you and I have a responsibility. So let's go on down. Now verse 3 says, you have already been pruned and purified. Interesting. You, he's talking to his disciples, you have already been pruned and purified. There is a pruning process and a purification process that the Holy Spirit is doing to every single person who is open to the work of God in this place. Absolutely. 
to some different degrees than others, but that's the work of the Spirit. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere else. But listen very carefully to this. Listen to what does the pruning. The next verse, it says this. You have been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. You see that? By the message. So what are the, the snips that are going to cut those parts that need to come off? It's the message. You apply the message and you're properly pruning. That's how it works. So if you want to allow the God to give you those snips for you to help with that process, how do you do it? You allow the message to speak. And then you respond in obedience. And then God doesn't have to take the snips out of your hand and start going to work himself. But one way or another, he will walk you through the best process to bring most glory to his name. And we don't always understand it. But we need to know this, that God has our best interest in mind. He always does. He had your best interest in mind before you even came to know him. In fact, the word of God says that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It was his kindness that drew you to himself. So here we see that what does the pruning is the message. Now, verse 4, look at that. It says, remain in me. Another version says, abide in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, look at that word you. Who's he speaking to? Us, me, your pastor. He's not talking about lost people out in the world who could possibly have their branch cut off. You see that? He's giving a warning to those who are in the vine. And so, Jesus says to you and to me today, if you don't stay connected, you can't bear any fruit. So what is your job and mine? It says, remain in me. Abide in me. Your fruitfulness is determined by you remaining in me. And those who remain in him, look at verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. Jump back up in verse 5. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you read the same thing I read? 
So on the one hand, you could be thrown into a pile and wither and eventually be burned, option A. Option B, you can ask for whatever you want and he'll give it to you. Is that a hard choice? It's not hard when you look at it that way. But when you're walking the walk, it can be a hard choice. Because you're not thinking of option A and B. You're just thinking about, man, this pain in my side. And we can easily lose the end game in our focus. We don't realize where our compromise and giving into temptation will lead us. Somehow it seems like that's not a really big deal right now because this pain, if I can just get this pain out of here, I'm all set. But we don't realize that God uses that to grow us. That's why the Apostle James said that we should count it all joy when we face pain in our side of many kinds. Why? Because it matures us. It's growing us. When we face trials of many kinds, because it is perfecting our faith. So if you want to grow strong in the Lord in 2019, you've got to stay the course. Whatever the Spirit of God spoke to you during the week of prayer and fasting, don't forget it. Uh, by the way, I want to say I'm so proud of this church body. Approximately half of you were present at our week of prayer and fasting. I know some of you couldn't make it for illness and other reasons, but I thank you for prioritizing the Lord. You watch and see what he's going to do this year because you honored him. Remaining in him is allowing the message to be alive in your heart and in your spirit. And it brings glory to the Father. Goes on to say, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Verse 9, remain in my love. And when you obey my commands, you remain in my love. You see that? Obey my commands. There are responsibilities that fall to us. You must remain in Christ. You must remain in his love. How do you do that? Obey his commands. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. And then with an exclamation point, it says, yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. Anybody interested in that for this year? Overflowing joy? And the way that you get that and maintain it is by... Obeying his commandments. John 14, 21 says, If you have my commands and keeps and commandments and keep them, you are you love me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. I love that. That's what I want. I want the Spirit of God to manifest himself to me on a regular basis. So what God says to you today is, I want you to bear as much fruit as possible. And I'm going to help you this year to do that. 
But you have a part to play. You must remain in me, and you're going to need pruning, and you're going to need purifying. And if you allow my word to do the work, I'm going to snip off areas that are sucking the life out of you and your family and your relationship so that you will be focused to be able to serve me in all that I've called you to do on your job, in your marriage, while you're taking care of your kids at home. God's not interested in putting him in a box over here somewhere where the only time we talk to him is when we're alone. We need that time, but that's not the only time. Did you know you can talk to God when you're really busy? Did you know God doesn't get upset about that? He's not like, well, just focus only on me. No. He's able to have a conversation with you when you've got a lot going on. That's not to say you shouldn't have your private prayer time, but the truth is, don't think that, oh, well, this is my work time. I'll talk to God later so that he doesn't feel interrupted. No. You can talk to God when you're in the middle of a conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a conversation. I've, in my spirit, I've been saying, oh, Spirit of God, I need wisdom right now. And he gives it. He gives it when you need it. Stay in tune with the Lord in the middle of your busy schedule. He wants to be with you all the time, speaking words of life. As you remain connected to him, here's what's happening. What's coming from the roots goes up the trunk and it flows to you. Be it the tree or be it for a grapevine, same idea. What is coming from the roots is going to get to you if you stay connected. And it's going to be more even effective if you don't have all of these little rogue branches on your branch. Because what the pruning does is it actually takes off little things that are, might even be growing. In fact, one, when I was in Bible college, I did a little bit of gardening. I'm not like a professional gardener by any means, but I learned a little bit here and there. And I was working on this wonderful lady's rose, roses. And so I'd have to prune them. And in pruning the roses, I would have to go to these little shoots that would start out um, uh, at this particular notch, and I would have to cut those off because if I cut those off, then the other, the, the main rows would get more, more juice, more nutrients. And it's the same idea with you and me. For us to really flourish so that we're not these little tiny things that can barely be seen, but so that we can really grow for the glory of God, other stuff has to be cut off. And so if you allow God to do that this year, I can guarantee you by 2020, you're going to see a different you. You will. Now, it does take time, just like a plant does. You know, you don't prune it and go, well, where is it now? You know? <laughs> you wait a little while. And, but, but I tell you, give it some time. You'll be faithful. You will see a different you. You will. It's the way God works. So you have something to look forward to. But if you don't allow, if, you, if, you, if God's about to snip something and you're always like, no, don't touch that. Don't touch that. That's mine. I want that little branch over there. Brings me comfort. Looks nice. God says, but it's stealing life from you. You may bob and weave 
to try to get away from the pruner, but God can bob and weave too. And he'll eventually get it. You know what I mean? Why? Because he loves you. And because you don't need that peace. Sometimes what we think is our comfort actually is a crutch. You know, there's so many addictions that we do just because we rely on them instead of relying on God. Did you know that? Food, cigarettes, vaping, drugs, alcohol. You learn to rely on God, God will set you free from all that stuff. And he wants to. He wants to. But you got to let him. You do have to be willing to say, God, come on. I know this may be a little painful, but I want to be more useful to you. This year, purpose in your heart to let God do the pruning. He'll take good care of you because he loves you very much. Would you close yourself in all across this congregation with the Lord? I never like to let an opportunity go by without saying, if you're in this room today and you've never gotten connected to the vine, what that means is you have not allowed Jesus to forgive you of your sin. It's possible that you're in church today, but your name is not in heaven. And we can change that. Because the Bible says that with our mouth we confess and with our heart we believe. And when that happens, there's a transformation that happens in our heart. If you're in this room and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, you've been convicted of your sin, and you want to surrender your life to Christ, the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Friend, our life is like a vapor. You may have great plans for 20 years from now. You have no idea whether you'll be around. Get right with God today. The prophet Amos said these words, prepare to meet your God. Prepare to meet your God. Are you prepared to meet your God today? You can walk out of these doors prepared to meet your God, even if you weren't ready when you walked in. And if you're here this morning and you would like to say, Jesus, I want my sins forgiven. I want to be restored. Maybe you used to walk with God, but you have walked away from him and you knew better. And you simply want to cry out to God and say, would you, would you receive me back? I know my branch is off right now, but would you graft it back in? He'll do that. He'll do that. He's the master gardener. He can take a branch that has been off and put it back on. Did you know he did that for us as Gentiles? We weren't even part of the original, but he grafted us in. He'll do the same for anyone here this morning who needs to surrender their life to Jesus. So if you're here in this place and you would like to make that decision, just right where you're sitting, I want to ask you if you would take a bold step this morning. And the reason I do this is because Jesus took a bold step for us. If you either want to give your life to Christ for the first time or if you want to rededicate your life to Him, I'm going to ask you right where you are if you would simply stand to your feet 
Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God sees you, my sister. He knows your heart. The Spirit of God is speaking. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. I never rush this time because it's what it's all about. A hundred years from now, we won't be here. Are you ready to meet the one who made you? God sees you, my brother, my sister. I'm going to ask all of us as a church body to pray this prayer together. And the reason I do this is not because the words I say are just the perfect words to say, but it's just to help give guidance, that's all. But you who are standing from your own heart, would you just open your heart right now to the Lord? And as we pray these words and you mean them from your heart, this is where the, it comes into play where with your mouth you confess. And with your heart then you believe. And the Holy Spirit is going to do a work that's going to become visible in your countenance and the way you act, the decisions you make. So church family, if you would join with me as we pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. Would you please wash me clean and make me brand new? Would you please write my name in the book of life? Would you please remove all of my shame and please remove all of my guilt and place your Holy Spirit within me. Give me the strength to live every day in obedience to you and to your word. I choose from this day forward to live my life to glorify you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing my heart and making me a new person. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when even one soul is saved. You may be seated. I just want to encourage you to keep walking with Jesus. Read God's Word on a regular basis. Talk to Him regularly. Gather together regularly with His people. And if you haven't got baptized in water, that's your next step. Jesus not only said to do it, He did it. And we follow in His footsteps. As we finish our time together here this morning, God wants you and I to remain in Him. Sometimes it's easier than others. Maybe some of you have been facing some real challenges lately. And you need the strength of the Lord to be able to stand firm. You feel like the winds of adversity have been blowing very strong against you. It's one of the reasons why it's good to be part of the body of Christ. 
because you're not in it alone. The challenges you face, even if they're of a private nature, you can be sustained by God, but also by your church family. You don't necessarily need to share all the details, not necessary, but I do believe it's important that we re receive support from the body of Christ. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're in this place and you're in the middle of a storm, it doesn't matter where the storm came from. The storm could have even been from your own doing. Or the storm could be completely out of your responsibility level. But yet you're in the storm. And you would like to say, would you pray with me that the Spirit of the living God will help me to stay rooted and grounded even though it is very difficult If that's you, I'm going to ask you if you would take a step this morning to stand where you are. You would say simply, would you pray with me? Because I want to weather the storm. I want to allow God to do whatever pruning is needed, but I want to stand firm. I want to stay connected to the vine. I want to stay rooted and grounded in God. And even though there's a pain that's in my side right now, I'm going to run through it. I'm going to persevere. But I need someone alongside of me going, you can do this. Keep going. Next step. Stay the course. Don't give up. The pain will go away. God is with you. He will sustain you. He will support you. And your church family is here to pray with you and to believe for the supernatural care of the Almighty God. If that's you, this is your opportunity to simply stand to your feet. Now as you're standing, I want you to simply open your heart to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to tell the Lord, Lord, I believe that you will help me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, even in this storm, acknowledge him. That's what you're doing right now. And he will direct your path. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you knowing that we have access to your throne. And your word tells us that we can come boldly to find help in time of need. God, every one of us needs you. But specifically, there are some who are standing this morning that are in the middle of a raging storm. And I'm reminded, Lord Jesus, when you were in that boat, and the storm was raging so bad that the disciples thought they were going to die. They would drown. And you simply woke up from your sleep and you spoke to the storm. You spoke to the wind and you said, peace, be still. Lord, I don't know all of the circumstances surrounding the cause of the storms in my brothers' and sisters' lives this morning. 
but I do know that you rule and reign over every single storm. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray for peace in every heart, in every mind, in every single physical body. I pray, God, that if there are nerves that have been on edge because of what's been going on, in the name of Jesus, be at peace. For those who have been focused on the worst case scenario, what if this and what if that, in the name of Jesus, trust in the Lord. The Lord will sustain you and he will strengthen you. Father, I pray that you would speak a word to everyone who is in the storm that will sustain them through to the end. God, essentially, as my brothers and sisters are running this race, they're feeling this pain, but it will come to pass. One day it will be gone. And I pray that they will remember these moments that they have leaned upon you and that you have walked them through it so that as they continue on to serve you and the pain is gone, the storm is over, may they lift their voices in praise. May they lift their hands in thanks. May they give you credit for what you've done because you are the God who is our defender. You are the one who provides everything that we need. And we lean on you this, this morning, Lord. So God, I commit all of my brothers and sisters to you today who are in the middle of this storm. And I pray that you would intervene, that you would be glorified, and that when it's all said and done, they would have a testimony to be able to share of the mighty working power and life of God. I thank you for what you've done, and I thank you for hearing our prayer. And we will continue to believe you for the completion of your work in each and every life for the glory of God. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a hand for the work that he is doing. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. And may your joy overflow. Amen.